Good morning. I feel like I should stand on the very edge of this stage because everyone is three rows back. Does anyone want to volunteer to come up just a, a little bit closer so I feel like I can see? No, no. Thank you. Amanda's coming up. Very good. Anyone on this side want to just come up and just, just the second or even the third row would feel a little less remote. Thank you very much. Look, we got two Amandas that are willing to stay. Oh, look at this. Oh, okay, that's small steps are good. Small steps are good. Oh, look at this. Come on. We've got people who are saying yes to the opportunity to be an encourager. That is great. Uh... How are you guys doing this morning? Had a little rain. It's a little muggy in here, but if you're cold normally, this should be a good morning for you because it is not cold. It's just clammy in here right now for me. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today we are finishing up, oh, we are real close to finishing up, 52 weeks of core principles in the Bible. This week we're looking at something called mentorship. Hmm. And you're thinking, what is Tim going to say about mentorship? Well, I'm going to start by telling you this. One of my favorite memories of childhood is waking up in the morning, having my honeycomb cereal or my tricks cereal, and sitting in front of the television set and watching Saturday morning cartoons. Anyone have a, a similar favorite Saturday morning memory? Uh, favorite cartoons? Anyone out there just shout it out? What, Smurfs? Oh, people are so young here in this crowd, aren't they? Smurfs. Scooby-Doo? Any, any Scooby-Doo fans out there? Listen, I love Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, I love those crazy hippie detectives who were always unmasking the villain at the end. Um, yeah, I love that. More than I loved Scooby-Doo, though, I think I enjoyed, I have very fond memories of the commercials. You guys remember those Saturday morning commercials? The one that I remember was the Matchbox cars. Remember the Matchbox cars? You put them on, you see them do the loop-to-loop. -loop. I could never get them to do that loop-to-loop. -loop. Never could. The other favorite one was this one right here. Can you guys roll this one? Mmm, peanut butter. Mmm, chocolate. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. Well, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Bravissimo. Two great tastes that taste Bravissimo. Reese's peanut butter cup. Anyone remember that commercial or one like it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. You got chocolate in my peanut butter. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. It's hard now to imagine here in 2022 when chocolate and peanut butter weren't a thing. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Reminds me of the truth, though. That when we use our Christ-led influence in each other's lives, both of us become better. Chocolate and peanut butter are inseparable now. One of our missions here, at Sherwood, in fact, the mission at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church uh, is this one right here. People helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. We've unpacked that mission statement before, so I'm not going to do that again. But there at the very end, you see this word called Christ-led influence. You see the word generations. You see the word people helping people. And that mission reflects one of our values, which is mentoring across generations. Young people mentoring older people and older people mentoring younger people using our Christ-led influence to change people's lives. Now, we didn't make that up. 
We didn't make that vision up. We didn't make that value up. It comes from the Bible. God designed us to live in community we are, where we are continually investing in each other, using our Christ-led influence to change someone else's life for the better. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how God designed us to influence others using this idea of mentoring. So let's pray and uh, we'll get started. Father, this morning we pray that um, you would speak to us from your word. We're going to be bouncing all over the scriptures today, but we pray that it would encourage us to use our Christ-led influence to change someone else's life and to build your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's recognize right up front that nowhere in the Bible is the word mentoring used. Nowhere. You can search all day long. You're not going to find it. The word itself, mentoring, is, is it's, a, it's a name first, not necessarily a role. It's a name. Mentor, those of you who studied Greek mythology and history know this. Mentor was the teacher who taught the son of Odysseus while he was away fighting wars. So if it's not in the Bible, then why are we bothering talking about it here? For crying out loud, we're talking about 52 core principles of the Bible, not 52 interesting aspects of Greek mythology. No, no, no. Here's why. Though the Bible doesn't ever actually use the word mentor, it does use the word meno. Meno, it's a Greek word, and it means to abide or to attach or remain. It's used in certain contexts. It can be translated into meaning a, an enduring relationship. And this idea of enduring relationship, this term, is used 118 times in the New Testament and 33 times in the Gospel of John alone. So just using the, that, 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 um, that measure of frequency, we can see that this idea of an enduring relationship of influence is both biblical and it's important. And it's this idea that we build trusting relationships that serve the purposes of building the kingdom. And it ties into our core verse today, which is found in 2 Timothy 2.2. Here's what Paul writes to this young pastor. He says, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, there are so many different examples of this in the scripture, if we start in the Old Testament, maybe you think of Moses and Joshua and the mentoring relationship they had. Maybe, maybe you think of Jonathan and David and David the young shepherd who finds himself in the palace and he becomes friends and mentored by the prince, the, the guy who sort of owns the palace in a sense, that mentoring relationship. Maybe you think of Ruth and Naomi. Anyone familiar with those, those two people in the Bible? It's a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. And in this instance, we see this aspect of mentoring show up in the role of advisor. Anyone have an, have had an important advisor in their life? Someone who recommends and helps them make decisions? Well, when you read through the biblical story of Ruth and Naomi uh, in the book of the Bible called Ruth, you will see how Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, helped her navigate a stressful time in her life. She's processing the loss of her husband, uh, the grief that goes alongside of that. She's moved into a new country with a new culture and new rules. She has lost probably her, her good friend, her, her own sister-in-law, who has stayed behind. And so Ruth finds herself in this, in this very uncertain place. And her mother, her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, becomes a trusted advisor 
to Ruth and guides her through that loss into a place of promise and of hope. And if you've not read the story of, of Ruth, please do. It's a beautiful story. So we have advisors in our life. We have protectors in our life. Anyone have someone that just provided a safe place for you to sort of test your wings and try out ministry without being overly judged or, or harshly criticized? Advisors are good, but protectors are wonderful as well. I think about Priscilla and Aquila. These are, this is a couple in the book of Acts, and they're wonderful examples of this type of mentorship. In Acts, we read that they are refugees from Rome. They fled Rome because of persecution there, and they end up in a city called Corinth, and they set up a little shop where they make tents. And in that shop, in walks a man named Paul. Paul, well, known by Saul at the time, but, but Saul is a young evangelist, and, and he's looking for a way to help fund his ministry. And so Aquila and Priscilla invite him to come work with them in their tent-making shop. Paul would later note that he arrived in Corinth in weakness, fear, and trembling. He was a hot mess, spiritually, mentally, physically at risk. And Aquila and Priscilla stepped in and said, hey, come and stay with us, work with us. We'll train you on how to make tents, and you can, you can fund your ministry through there. They welcomed him into their workplace. They gave him a job. And in the middle of their own disrupted lives, they're refugees after all. Aquila and Priscilla provided a safe place, a secure place for Paul to develop his ministry. I love that. No one knows the full story of, of what I'm going to share next. But, but Paul says, in, um, says later in Romans, he says at the end, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, because they risked their lives for me. When I get to heaven, I want to ask Priscilla and Aquila what that meant. How did they risk their lives for Paul? But Aquila and Priscilla were mentors who created a nurturing place for Paul to grow. We need nurturers in our lives, people who provide those safe spaces to experiment and learn. So we have advisors and we have protectors. These are both different types of mentors. Maybe you're more familiar with this, the coach as a mentor. So we've all had coaches in our life who help us get better at something. And Paul does this so after experiencing sort of the mentorship of Aquila and Priscilla. Paul becomes a mentor as well. He becomes a coach to a young man named Timothy. He took under his wing this young guy who had so much potential. And Paul gives him, gives him some responsibilities, developing his leadership in ministry. And he, Timothy eventually becomes a pastor. But Paul's mentorship doesn't end once Timothy gets to a certain stage. Paul remains a lifelong coach for Timothy. In uh, 2 Timothy 1-2, Paul refers to Timothy as my son, indicating that that relationship wasn't just for a season, but it was an, an enduring relationship. It went on and on through the rest of Timothy and Paul's life. But as a coach, as a mentoring coach, Paul exposed Timothy to leadership challenges. He encouraged him through those. And we're all called to do that as well, to act as mentors and coaches for others. Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider how we may stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're all called to invest in others as, as a coach at times. 
A coaching mentor helps you develop skills. There's a proverb in Ecclesiastes that says this. When the axe head is dull, it is hard going. And we can all, if you've ever chopped wood, you know that. But when the axe head is sharp, ah, the work goes much easier. And a coach will help hone those skills to make your work easier. So we had advisors, we have protectors, we have coaches. Maybe you've had all three. Maybe you've been one of those types of mentors. Maybe you've been this type of mentor, a clarifier. You think, what? Well, let me talk about this. Let's go back to Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla partner with Paul in his mission, and they all end up in Ephesus where they meet this, this evangelist from Egypt. And this guy's name is Apollos. We know next to nothing about Apollos. In fact, when I get to heaven, I want to look up Apollos because Paul refers to him a couple of times, but we have no letters from him. We really don't have much information to go on if we were to develop a biography of Apollos. There's just not much there. But what we do know is fascinating because uh, in Acts, Apollos is described as a learned man. He's smart, and he spoke accurately. He is a clear and concise communicator with great fervor. He's a passionate communicator. But <laughs> his knowledge of the way of God was incomplete. How many of you guys have some knowledge of God that remains incomplete? I do. Absolutely. I need clarifiers in my life. Priscilla and Aquila did the same thing with Apollos that they did with Paul. They invited him into their home and provided deeper instruction, and they clarified the gospel for him. So if you're, if you're asked to be a clarifying mentor, you're going to use what you know about the gospel to help someone better understand their own faith. Has God used someone in your life to clarify a confusing aspect of faith for you? If so, you're probably very thankful for them. We have the advocate, or I call them maybe a sponsor. When you think of someone coming, an immigrant from another country, sometimes when they come into the new country, it's required by immigration law for them to have some sort of sponsor that sort of reassures those um, that uh, are allowing him in that, that they're going to be taken care of and watched over. And so sometimes we have mentors who act like sponsors or advocates. I want to talk to you about a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas' name is pretty familiar. But in the early days of the church, there was a guy named Saul who was converted. But, but when he tries to go into the churches and share his faith with them, they're rightly nervous because this Saul is the same one that persecuted them and hauled many of them off into prison. And, and all people knew of Saul was his, was his reputation as an enemy of Christians. So when he says he's become one of those things, people are rightly nervous about inviting him into their church service, but not this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is the sponsor. He's an advocate. He's a risk taker because he, he goes to Paul. He goes right into that risky situation, and he, and he meets Paul, and he talks with Paul, and he becomes Paul's advocate, his sponsor. In Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, uh, they, they describe this. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians there at Antioch. I want to give a special shout out to Barnabas. He was a great mentor. 
And the influence he had on that young Saul, who became Paul, who went on to be mentored by Aquila and Priscilla, cannot be overstated. Because of Barnabas teaching Paul, Paul teaching Timothy, and Timothy teaching others who could be trusted with this gospel, we sit here today. The church, as we know it, owes a deep debt of gratitude to a mentor named Barnabas. The last one that probably my favorite, this is the affirmer. Man, don't you love people who affirm you? Who say, you can do this. You've got this. We may not believe a word they say to us, but man, it's encouraging anyway, isn't it? You can do it. You've got it. The affirmer is my favorite type of mentor. And I look at Jesus and Peter as the example of this. You know, Jesus walked with his disciples through all of their ups and downs, but he seems to have had a special, special relationship with Peter. Peter was the hot-headed and the, the impulsive one. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. And yet, if you're familiar with the story of Peter, you know that, that Peter <laughs> disappointed himself and others by denying Jesus. When Jesus needed him most, Peter wasn't there. And yet, after Jesus died, came back to life, he made special pains to meet up with Peter and restore that relationship that was never broken on Jesus' side, but man, it, it, it ripped, ripped Peter apart. Jesus affirms Peter and encourages him to grow in character by walking with him through that failure and disappointment, and he strengthened Peter's faith. Here's what he said to Peter at the end. He said in Matthew chapter 16, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He shares this with Peter early on and then time and time again repeats this message to Peter. You are worth investing in. I have plans for you, Peter. He was an affirmer. We often think of mentoring as, as some sort of accountability thing. In fact, in men's ministry, we use this word a lot, accountability. We want to have mentors to, to hold us accountable, to make sure maybe that we don't mess up. But can I just confess something to you? Uh, we all mess up. We all mess up. Mentors aren't going to keep you from messing up. Oftentimes, when we talk about mentors, I think in the back of our mind, we've got this idea that it's going to be some sort of like gotcha game. Like, aha, I saw what you did. Get down here and explain yourself. But we all know when we mess up, don't we? We don't, know peop we don't need people reminding us how we mess up. I love instead what a friend told me about his mentor. He says, we don't hold each other accountable. We hold each other close. And that means that when we mess up, we draw tighter together. We don't point at an accusing finger. We don't push people away. We don't make them feel worse. We draw them close and affirm them. Jesus could have give, given Peter a whole list of ways he messed up, but he didn't. He affirmed Peter, and he drew him close. You and I mess up, and when this happens, it's extremely powerful to have people in our lives that affirm us that we're loved and valued, Speak that truth into our lives. Affirmers persevere with us through those challenges, and they help us over time become who God designed us to be. 
Now, as I'm talking about these different type of mentors, maybe you thought of someone in your life who've been that type of mentor to you. Here's a few of mine. I work with a guy named Dan Dix. Dan was an advocate, a sponsor for me. When I went to serve at the church in Reno, Nevada, Dan and his wife Tammy really paved the way for me and allowed me to, to set my feet down quickly and make relationships and build friendships quickly because of their investment and sponsorship of me. There's a guy that I meet with periodically. His name is Dave Udaley. He is an affirmer. I've known Dave for many, many, many years. He would say he's an old man. I would say he's a wise man. He has seen me in ministry mess up so many times, and yet each time he takes me to lunch, you know what he focuses on? Not the ways I've messed up, but what I'm doing right. And he encourages me in that and, and gives me some, some, some words of advice on how to understand and comprehend and make sense of the, of the place that I'm in right now. He's an affirmer. Debbie Ransom was a pastor's wife here in town. When I was a kid, she passed away recently. But when I was a little kid, she drug me around to nursing homes, and uh, she got me involved in puppet ministry, and she put me on the platform a couple times to make sure that I had a safe space to test my wings and learn how to fly in ministry on my own. She was a protector. Ah, oh, man, I love people like that. Kerry Curry, some of you know Kerry, he's a, he's a car salesman, but for me, he's an affirmer as well. He's always cheering me on. Tom Ellsworth was a senior pastor, my boss for many, many years. He was a clarifier. He modeled and explained the gospel and ministry to me. Alan Burris, who preaches here periodically, is a great coach. Alan's been in ministry for a long time, and Alan can encourage me as a coach. Roger Clark was one of my, one of my best advisors. He would, he would make a point at least twice a week to call me up or sit down with me and, and, just, and just talk through some stuff and offer some good advice. And then Claudia Mitchell. Claudia's been here many times, and she's an affirmer as well. I love affirmers. That's why I've got probably more affirmers. I need affirmers. That's why I've gathered more affirmers around me than others. But all of them express their love to me as a mentor in some re respect. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says this, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. These people invested in me so that I could make a difference in the world for Jesus. So who are you investing in? That's the point, isn't it? Who are you entrusting spiritual truth to? Is that question uncomfortable? If it is, I, I suspect it's this. It's not that we don't want to invest in others. I think all of us who are sincere believers want to share our faith with others. It's just that oftentimes we feel unqualified to invest in others. We have these inside voices in our head, and, and I have them, so maybe you have them too. The first one is this. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know that I have really anything to offer someone but to be a mentor, you don't need to be perfect. You need to be growing. Growing people grow people, someone said. I think it's true. It's more important to be authentic in that growth than perfect. So if you're not perfect yet, then you can be a mentor. You say, well, I'm not really a Bible expert. I don't know much. I got John 3.16 down, but that's pretty much it. Woohoo! That's great. 
You've got one of the verses of the Bible memorized. That's, that's outstanding. You can share that with someone that you, that you meet, that you mentor. Because growing in your Bible knowledge is important. But as a mentor, it's perhaps just as important to look up these answers in the Bible as to have an answer always at the ready. To coach them and bring them alongside of you as you together search the scriptures. You say, Tim, honestly, I mean, that sounds great, but I'm going to speak from personal experience. I'm not (laughs) the best example for other people to follow. Well, that's great because here's the truth. You're not mentoring someone to be like you. You're mentoring someone to be like Jesus. So you say, I I don't know what I have to offer. I say, if you followed Christ for one day, you have one day's worth of experience to share with someone else. We're talking about doing a a study through Nehemiah on Wednesday night. Rob's going to be teaching it. If you want to study about Nehemiah, come on Wednesday night and join us. It's a co-ed class. But but Nehemiah really, the thing that, 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 that Nehemiah had that God could use was this thing. It was a willing heart. A willing heart to be used by God to teach to someone else what God has used others to teach you. To help move them beyond their own agenda into God's agenda. One small step at a time. And God promises to help us grow as we depend on His Holy Spirit to commit and commit to learning how to mentor one step at a time. Maggie Mobley, who's preaching this sermon up at East this morning, said this, and I just took it directly from her her words. She says this, being a mentor means taking an influential and important role in another person's life. And it sounds like something reserved for experts or people with decades of wisdom, but that's not necessarily the case. If you have a relationship with Christ, are living in community, and are growing in your faith, you can come alongside others and point them to Jesus, being a Christ-led influence. We are called to come alongside one another. Here at Bedford, I think about Connie. Connie is very intentional about asking a few questions. Heather mentioned this, and Connie did it to me this morning. She said, how's Tim doing? And it's an invitation for me to open up and share a little bit of my life and my week with Connie. And she nods and she smiles, and I know that she'll be praying for me this week. Heather says the same thing. Heather says, Connie always asks me, how's Heather doing? And she asks it with the intention to learn and to encourage and always to affirm. Patty and Carla investing in other leaders in the, in the women's group on Wednesday night. I love seeing the teens at BBX use their influence to pour into the lives of our younger kids. And, and Jaden Chenoweth, one of our high schoolers, is super excited to volunteer with preschool through first grade this Wednesday night. The women who have invested in the Find Your People groups, I love those. They're using their influence to pour into the lives of others. And at the end of the service, Nate Flynn's going to share some opportunities that us guys have to do the same thing. Now, these are all people who are living out 1 Thessalonians 5.11. That's a, that's a hard word to get your tongue around. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. I love that. Here's the truth. Jesus spent only three years of his life in public ministry. He couldn't mentor everyone personally, so he chose 12 people to invest in, and he gave them uh, the, the command to pass everything he taught them on to others. 
who would then pass it on to others again. He was a mentor who made mentors who would make mentors. And his very last words to us here on earth serve as an invitation for us to continue that ourselves. He says in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We've all been called to influence others. Maybe you're a mentor who's a coach. Maybe you're a mentor who's an affirmer. Maybe you're an advocate or a protector. But the challenge today is to lean into investing in others. Because you never know in what capacity God is going to use you. Today as we begin our time of communion, I want to make this an opportunity for us to remind ourselves about the responsibilities that we have in the kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, may we be obedient to this commission to teach others as we have been taught so that the good news of Jesus is shared everywhere we go. Amen. Guys, just a sec. Here's the... Here's the the final truth, faith grows in community. And every time I take this cup and this bread, I look around and remind myself that God has put me in a community right here at Sherwood Oaks. And the truth is this, faith grows in community. Think about this, our spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts only make sense in the context of community. The gifts that God entrusts to us are for the benefit of others. Community. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those, those only make sense in the context of community. Community is where we get to practice love and joy and long-suffering, kindness. Finally, discipleship. Discipleship only happens in the context of community. It doesn't happen sitting at home watching a TV preacher. That's not where discipleship happens. It happens when we are rubbing up against each other and influencing each other and getting ticked off by each other and being upset and angry and jealous and we get to experience that community and in the process, God changes us and he makes us into something bigger and better than we were before. <laughs> we invest in others and we take what we know, even if it's just a little bit, we say, hey, let me share what God has shared with me. And in so doing, we fulfill what that, that, that ancient wise guy who wrote Proverbs says. He goes, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And, the, and we become sharp, and the work of sharing the gospel becomes easy. I love that. Father, this morning as we take the bread and we take the cup, we remind ourselves that we are in community. And that means that we can't just show up. But we show up with purpose. We show up with intention. We walk through these doors with the understanding that we're here for others. 
God, if we don't have anyone that we're investing in, man, I pray that you would, you would bring those people into our lives. God, if we don't have anyone that's investing in us, God, I pray that we would open ourselves and our lives up so that we welcome those influences. We want to become more like you. You gave your life for us. And you call us to offer our lives to others as well. So as we take the bread and the cup, this is both an invitation and a response to say, I am willing to be used and to be influenced by those who love you and want to become more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.